This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Shut, Shut up, up and sit down. down. This is our weekly Breakfast with Ben's Hockey Podcast with Brian Metz of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. You can listen to Metz during the intermission reports during Penguin games. You can also check him out on the post-game show, Penns Live Weekly on Saturday mornings as well. Metz, so much to talk about from this homestand. So little of it good. All the good was compressed into the one game against Colorado. Various levels and degrees and reasons for the bad in the other three games. Let's start with the most recent turn of events. That was against Anaheim on Monday night. A 3-3 game going into the waning moments, and they give up a shorthanded goal to lose it. What a soul-crushing end to that contest on Monday night. Let me tell you how fun it was to discuss that for an hour <laughs> after the game. Yeah, kind of uh, like, uh, why don't you ask Rob King and Charlie Batch after the Jacksonville game? Something similar to that. Yeah, at least our post-game show isn't four hours long or whatever the Steelers do these days. Which... It just ended right before I called you. This is why I was a little late calling you. I was just <laughs> listening to the end of the Jacksonville post-game show. Yeah, they just wrapped up. Uh, let me tell you, though, I mean, to have a two-man advantage where it looked like Anaheim was going to give the game away, you're in a situation where you get this vaunted power play on the ice. Penguins had 18 power play shots in the game, by the way, and scored a couple of power play goals. So it's not as if it didn't produce but it didn't produce in the big moments. And it's still just the second game of the season in which they've been able to score a power play goal, but they weren't able to do it in a humongous moment 
And then they surrender what you just mentioned, an ugly shorthanded goal off a breakaway. Eric Carlson almost got back to make a stick check on Mason McTavish. And Tristan Jari could not make a save in a big moment. And the Penguins leave for the West Coast with their tails tucked firmly between their legs, their heads drooping, their attitudes and egos bruised. Just no way you wanted to see them lose. No way you wanted to see them end the homestand. And no way to see them end a homestand that started um, last night with a really poignant moment in recognizing the the life of Adam Johnson and his time as a Pittsburgh Penguin. They couldn't even go out and get the win for AJ 47. I was hoping that would be the case. Let's stick with that, Mets, before we get back to the Penguins since you brought it up. I saw coming out of England that at least one governing body for the leagues out there is mandating throat guards. Should we see that? Will we see that in the NHL? At this point, I mean, I know it's not something that happens all the time, but but that being said, Tim, I mean, a guy died with a, a flagrant skate, you know? I mean, anything can happen. We see bodies flying around all the time uh, after big hits, after big collisions. The incidents that popped to mind immediately for me were Clint Malarchuk, obviously. That's probably the most well-known of ugly neck incidents. But people sometimes forget about Richard Zednick, who was cut by the skate of Ole Jokinen a handful of years ago. Uh, he was able to survive his incident as well and continue with his career. But now with the tragic loss of life after uh, after a situation that was probably one of the scariest things that I've ever seen in a hockey game, um, I don't see how it would really hurt anybody to wear a neck guard. Um, guys are going to probably complain and say it constricts them when they're trying to look around and, and turn their heads. The Boston Bruins American Hockey League affiliate already began wearing neck guards the other day uh, in the game, their first game following the incident over the weekend. So, I mean, it's something that I think they should look into. And from what I've heard today and over the last couple of days, it sounds like the league's board of governors, uh, the NHLPA, etc., are going to discuss if they want to mandate something just to protect players. Because you just never know. The game is faster than ever. Guys are bigger than ever. There's a lot of hitting. There's a lot of bodies flying. You hit a little guy, he flies the wrong way. Maybe his skate, um, you know, could really just even cut somebody uh, anywhere on their body, let alone in their neck in that in that soft tissue, as we saw with Adam Johnson, and just such a, a horrific incident. And and boy, am I glad. Or I mean, I'm unfortunate uh, for myself that I saw it, Tim. I'm I'm sad that I watched the video because I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, but people need to see the video to see how horrific it is to get a very simple rule passed, I think, Mets. Um, Agreed. It's so simple to do this. It's so easy to do this. It's so affordable to do this. Just do it. And if you got to see what happened to Adam Johnson, maybe save somebody else's life down the line, I guess you got to suck it up and watch the video. And I say that to anybody who's in a decision-making position in any level of hockey. This is just an easy fix. And I'm not usually the ombudsman for safe play and guardian caps and you know no check hockey and no tackle football that's usually something that I steer away from 180 degrees but in this case it just seems so basic and it doesn't seem to have any hindrance at all it could do is potentially good even if it doesn't do the degree of good that's going to make you 100% safe it might make you safer I I agree I mean it's just it's simple to do, as you just said. I mean, you could simply have these guys wear the neck guard 
I'm not mistaken, I mean, a couple of guys over the years used to wear them anyway. It wasn't Thomas Placanic of the Montreal Canadiens. I know he always wore like a turtleneck, but I think he did wear some sort of neck guard. He always had it up. Uh, it may have been a turtleneck, but I picture it as a neck guard. It didn't seem to impede him. Uh, guys used to wear turtlenecks in general. It's a, not all that dissimilar. I know it's bulkier than that would be. And it protects you. I mean, it really would do the job. I think it would make an incident like that much, much, much less likely to ever occur again. Just it, it would block a helmet from cutting down the way Clint Malarchuk's did where a skate and, um, you know, his own helmet kind of dug into his neck. It would help. And goaltenders do wear neck guards these days. So, I mean, they're doing it. So why couldn't everybody else? It just would. It, it's a simple fix. I think it's affordable, as you said. Teams could easily provide those the neck guards for players, and it, it wouldn't really be much more in terms of adding to the bottom line. And you save a lot in terms of bottom line with human life. I mean, you don't have to go through an incident like this ever again, hopefully, because, boy, um, not only does it affect the family members and, and the people who surround the individual that was killed, but the people who were involved in the incident otherwise have to go on living knowing that they were on the other end of it. Um, everybody that saw it, everybody that plays the game is going to have that in the back of their heads. And you could really mitigate that with uh, a simple neck protection, I think. Do you think that the police should be involved in investigating as they apparently are in England? Um, it's kind of intriguing to hear that. I, I, I guess what was most intriguing to me, Tim, is the amount of former NHLers coming out and saying that it seemed like a little bit of a flagrant play. Not that, see, this is the thing. There are people taking flagrant play and turning it into this guy had an intent to to do damage. Now, maybe he wanted to just impede progress with his leg or maybe he wanted to make contact with Adam Johnson. I don't believe he had any inkling that his skate was going to get up into the throat area of Adam Johnson. That's a horrific incident and um, just an unfortunate turn of events. They're a very unfortunate turn of events. But that all, all being said, again, I think that Police always investigate these sort of incidents. If you recall, even something uh, like Marty McSorley and Donald Brashear a number of years ago, where McSorley got his stick into the helmet of Brashear and he went down and was injured. They looked at that and there were assault charges filed. Um, unfortunately, sometimes law enforcement does get involved in these situations. And at the end of the day, if they determine there was any flagrant uh, incident, there might be some sort of charge there. I don't, I don't know that it's something that's necessary but i'm not shocked to see it happening just because i've seen it in other incidents where they do investigate when there are horrific incidents uh in sporting events and it's happened across the board in a number of other pro sports not just hockey was it even an illegal play i mean i don't know the rules over there is a hip check in open ice like that an illegal play that i don't know i would assume that their their rules would be fairly similar to the national hockey league and if it was a straight check, fine. I, I guess I just, I, in watching the, the footage of it, it's interesting to see. There doesn't seem to be a lot of contact before the skates come up. It was a I know sloppy, that, poorly executed hip check. That's what it really looks like. Yeah, I think you're right, Tim. That's a, probably the best way I've heard it described. And it's a matter of missing the hip check altogether and having your legs kind of come up a little bit. Um and if he hits his midsection with his legs and just knocks him down, no one even knows it occurred. You know, it just so happens that his skates, you know, came up a little too high. And boy, it just when you look at it in slow motion, which hockey's such a fast game, and and it's hard to to 
dumb it down to the point of slow motion. But when you see it in slow-mo, it doesn't look like anything that should have even needed to occur in that situation. There didn't seem to be contact with the other player that cuts uh, in between them or right ahead of the two of them before the incident occurs. Um, but I, I think you're right. It does look like a, a an ill-fated hip check that went awry. And it's just I mean, very, charging? Very I guess you could call charging because he came from distance to do it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know... <laughs> It's just, it, I, I just feel bad for everybody involved. It, it's just a bad situation. And um, I, I I hope that they can find a way to move forward uh, with a resolution that's satisfactory to everybody is probably the best way to say it. Um, but it, it's it sounds like this is going to drag on a little bit with investigations and, and everybody looking into it. But at the end of it, if we do get some role changes across the, the board in hockey in terms of protective gear, I think I'd be okay with that. It also harkens back to you know, you remember when Eric Carlson, and this is not even the same, but when Eric Carlson got his Achilles severed by Matt Cook's stick accidentally stepping on the back of his heel, uh, they were going to, you know, mandate these chainmail socks and everything. And then I don't think I've seen that in locker rooms. Anytime I've been in one since, I, you know, that happened for maybe a few months thereafter. Uh, they talked about it here in Pittsburgh. Um, some of the training staff here developed the, those pieces of equipment for guys to wear. But have you seen a chainmail sock in a locker room, Tim? I think people forget far too quickly horrific injury. Maybe one that resulted in death will, will stick a little bit more with the leagues in general, and they'll implement something to try and keep this from happening in the future. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Back to the Pens, Mets. We talked about the result of the game. You alluded to Jari at the outset of your comments, You know, unable to make the save on the breakaway. Uh, in general, what has been your assessment of his play? I didn't think he was particularly sharp against Ottawa. Um, that's for sure. What about in this game against the Ducks? Uh, it's been kind of hard to watch because there are moments in, in the game where he makes some really quality saves. And when he does that, you know, he looks like the guy that they hoped they were going to get when they signed him. However, he doesn't seem to make the quality saves in those huge moments. They're, they're not getting saves at key times. And I think that's the problem because had he gone out last night and robbed Mason McTavish on one of his two late game goals, they probably win. I mean, the Penguins had a 3-2 lead when McTavish scored off of a turnover and a pass the first time. And then when you look at the second one, uh, it's it's a broken play that turns into a breakaway and they don't have a way to uh, he doesn't have a way to make the save on that. So I just think he's got to make saves at key times in big moments. And that's not been the case right now. He goes out there, makes saves early in a game, maybe gets through a first period looking pretty good, but then he gets into a situation where the game is on the line and he's unable to to save his teammates. And they talked about that last night, Tim. He, he said it himself. You know, I've got to be better for these guys. I've got to give them a chance to win. When you look up and down his stat line going into last night, I mean, there's games where he's letting up four goals on 21, four goals on 27. Uh, three goals on 35, which is maybe not as bad. But when you see that amount of, of rubber going past the goaltender in big moments like that at the wrong times, it's the it's the difference between winning and losing hockey games. And that's why they've lost an awful lot more than they've won to this point. 97 shot attempts in that game against <laughs> Anaheim. People are probably sick to death of me talking about this already, and we're still in October. We're taping up on the 31st. We're taping up on Halloween. Uh, I would like to see some of these star players for the Penguins go dressed up as who they were 10 years ago because 
for all this conversation about what the bottom six isn't doing, what Jari isn't doing, you know, what the um, bottom pairing on defense isn't doing. They generated 97 shot attempts. If this team is as talented scoring-wise as we keep saying that they are, and this has been a theme throughout many of the games so far this year, Mets, they're doing a good job to generate shots. They just don't finish like they used to. They really don't, and that's a problem. I mean, when you look at them generating these chances, I think the issue is they're not getting them from close enough to the net. I mean, last night in the game, I saw somebody talking about probably halfway through the second or through the second, their average shot distance was 31 feet. So if you're taking shots from that kind of distance, you need to be able to get traffic in front of goaltenders to disrupt them, to make sure that maybe it hits you and deflects to an area where a teammate could deposit it into the net. Unfortunately, when you're just putting it on an NHL goalie from that distance, nine out of 10 times, unless you're Tristan Jari, not to be rude, you're going to, you're going to see a save made. Tristan seems to get beat by some of those outside shots more than I've seen other goaltenders, but against the Penguins, they're stopping them all and they're smothering them and not resulting in many second and third opportunities. Now the Penguins also put up 18 on the power play without a lot of traffic in front of the net. That's a problem. You've got to start getting bodies in there. I heard Phil Bork going nuts about this on our broadcast last night, Tim, that he keeps saying you're seeing te- the, the Penguins forwards almost move out of the way of shots and just kind of stand off to the side of the goalpost and say, okay, the shot's going to come in. When that rebound comes, I'm going to bang it home. Well, these goalies aren't surrendering the rebound. So you need to get in front of the goalie, block his face, take his eyes away. That's what Jake Gensel did on the goal that Eric Carlson scored uh, in the game against the Ducks. He, he was right in front of John Gibson, and it made a difference. They don't do that enough, and that's why they're probably among the league leaders in shots on goal and shot attempts, and they're, they're not scoring on them. One other thing that's really stood out to me, I think that they've been uh, not as swift in getting the shots off as they should. They're getting a ton of shots blocked every single game. Last night, over 20 again. I believe they had 23 or 26 blocked in that hockey game. So if you're not, if you're getting that many shots blocked, you're not getting your shot off fast enough typically, or you're not, you know, taking the one sidestep that you need to open up a shooting lane, and that's making a difference as well. Plus the missed shots, Tim. Those are breakout passes for the other team, nine out of ten times, and that's why you're seeing so many odd rushes against them. They are last in the Metro, six points. I saw somewhere that they need already a 61-point point percentage to get to what was the last playoff point total from a year ago in the East. Yeah, uh, I saw that as well. Uh, they're on a 55-point pace, so that is horrific, it, especially when you're doing it in a year when you can't tank for Bedard. Why didn't you do this last year if you are going to have this kind of season? Um, now, if you remember last year, Tim, they started the year 4-0-1, and and then I believe they went on something like an 0-6-1 stretch where they lost, you know, seven games in a row, essentially. So it's not quite that ugly just yet, uh, and they were able to be in contention for the playoffs coming down the stretch into the last nights of the season. There are They are a team that tends to go on winning streaks when they heat up and find ways to, you know, rip off that 13-0-3 stretch or 13-2-3, those kinds of things. They're going to need that to turn around this ugly October for themselves because, as you just mentioned, last year you needed roughly 95 points to get in, and they're going to have to play to 6-10 click to get to it at this point. Uh, it doesn't get easier for them. They're going out west, which isn't always the best situation for them whenever they do go out west. I mean, that's a, 
a long road trip, time changes, everything like that. Sharks aren't that good. Anaheim just beat them. The Kings always beat them. And then you come home against the Buffalo Sabres, Columbus, or you go on the road for Columbus. Then you got New Jersey, Carolina, Vegas, New York. So it is not an easy November either. And come Thanksgiving in the United States, it could be a pretty ugly standing situation for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then people are really going to be asking, what are you going to do to change this team up? Are they going to start selling parts off? Because if you're bad through November, I, I mean, how, I don't know what Dubas can do to, to kind of right the ship. I think if they start this road trip poorly, he might start trying to manipulate something. But they are up against the salary cap, too. So it's not as if they have a ton of options uh, without, you know, trying to find somebody to, to take some money off your hands. Does San Jose get a second point before they face the Penguins, do you think? <laughs> um, I don't know. We have a week here, Tim, to look at it. So when you look at the Sharks' schedule, they play uh, November 2nd as their next game. So they're they're off a big chunk of this week. But they have yeah, Vancouver. They got Vancouver, yeah. So I think Vancouver could potentially beat them. Vancouver's not playing too poorly at this point. I, I think that um, there's a good chance that they do not achieve a point before playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mets, thanks. We'll do it again next week. Sounds good, Tim. Thanks for this. As always, my friend, enjoy the, the week of Penguins free, but I'm sure you will be filling your time with plenty of other stuff. Steelers uh, at the forefront of that come Thursday night. Oh, we got the big Robert Morris hockey game against the Canadian school, Simon Fraser. Oh, there! I, I knew there would be something like that in there. I couldn't remember what day, so there you go. As, Tim Benz, the hardest working man in Pittsburgh. As my colleague on the Monday Night Quarterback show, Jerry Dulock, referred to them, Simon Baker. <laughs> the mentalist. Wasn't he the singer of Duran Duran? No, the mentalist. Oh, yeah, that is true, the mentalist. <laughs> Mets, will do Perfect. it again next week. All right, Tim. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you.